Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Tobin. Yes, Kathy? You know why I really like podcasting? Why do you like podcasting? Because usually it's just you and me in a room talking to each other. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. It's nice. It's very intimate. It's intimate and completely within my comfort zone. Right. That comfort zone being not in front of a lot of other people, which is ironic because something they don't tell you about hosting a podcast is that these days you have to also host live shows. Yeah, if they like you enough, yeah. people want to see you live. Yeah. I don't understand. We have to stand in front of literally tens of people, okay? <laughs> But the good news is, a little behind-the-scenes tea, we've developed a coping mechanism. Yeah? What do I say to you before every show, Kathy? Don't fuck this up for me. (laughs) I do, and every time you don't fuck it up for me. It's true. It really does work. (laughs) From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy with your hosts, Tobin Lowe and Kathy Tu. So, Kath, Mm -hmm. at this point, we've actually done quite a few live shows. And we really do enjoy doing them. Like, it's fun to meet the listeners. It's true. It's really, really fun. Yeah. And each time we think to ourselves, selves, we wish we could share this show with everyone. So, you know what? That's what we're going to do today. Surprise. We're going to take you to not one, but two live shows. Yes. So the first one is from last summer at the Bell House in Brooklyn, where we were a part of the Big Queer Podfest. Super fun. So fun. There were some other great podcasts on the bill, too, like Making Gay History, LGBTQ&A, Food for Thought. And for our part of the show, our guest on stage was the wonderful, hilarious stand-up, Jess Tom. They're funny, they're sharp, mm-hmm. and side note, I love looking at their Instagram for some amazing fashion inspiration. Yes. But, okay, before we launch into this recording, quick public service announcement. Yes. What you are about to hear is truly one of our first live shows, and dear podcast listeners, at that point, we were like live show babies. Yeah, I we could say that we didn't quite know what we were doing. Yeah, you could say that we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and so, like, even though the show itself is great, we put a few visuals up on the screen for the audience, mm-hmm. and former superstar producer Matt Collette tried to remind us, you know, describe the visuals. <laughs> this is being recorded. It's a podcast. Yep, yep, he did. Uh, and of course, we promptly forgot to do that. I'd say we forgot about 20% of the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which means we remembered 80% of the time, which, like, you know, is good. That's a generous reading. <laughs> So to make this work, what you're going to hear is that every once in a while, we're going to just pop back in and explain what's going on. You know, like the occasional play-by-play. Yes. So, on to the show. Um, Thank you so much for being here on this day when Beyonce dropped a surprise album. I'm shocked you showed up at all. I know. (laughs) I'm shocked. Uh, My name is Tobin. I'm Kathy. We host a podcast called Nancy. We are also both queer and Asian. Uh-huh. Which tonight we're going to lean in hard on. Um, <laughs> starting with our amazing guest. Let's bring them out. Yes. They are so funny. They were making us die backstage. Yeah. Please welcome comedian Jess Tom. 
Okay, okay, all right. I have a question for you. Okay, yes. uh, I have an answer. In your bio, you describe yourself as a non-binary, queer, Asian-American, radical cyborg? It's true. What does that mean? Um, well, as, as I often say in my stand-up sets, I am a non-binary trans person, which means I am trans, but I don't identify as a punk musician or a spoken word artist. <laughs> Yeah, Asian, what am I? Asian American, non-binary, radical, cyborg. I, I, I think a lot of those are pretty self-explanatory. Self it's true. I don't know why I asked. It's true. All you guys are holding phones, right? Um, <laughs> We're all cyborgs here. <laughs> it means I'm always ready. <laughs> Okay, so as we said, we're all queer and Asian, which also means that we all have Asian mothers. Yeah. I, that's not necessarily true. That's true. That's it true. It is true, I it think, of all of us. It is true of the us. three yeah, of yeah. us. It's true of the three of us. I do have an Asian mother. You guys all know about her. <laughs> There's more, you guys. <laughs> Don't worry. Jess, I want to know your best Asian mom story. Okay. Um, so I have a joke uh, that I like to tell where... The punchline is, spoiler, um, I'm on the phone with my mom and I say, the only thing I learned in the Girl Scouts is what a glory hole is. <laughs> Which you can fill in what the rest of that joke might possibly be. Um, and then so one time I got a text from my mom that just said uh, verbatim, hey, hey, what's a glory hole? <laughs> And I'm very lucky. My mom and I have a very close relationship. Um, I am a fifth generation American on my mom's side, so we see eye to eye a lot more on certain things. Um, so uh, I decided I would be truthful with her. We have a close relationship. I was like, I'm just gonna tell her. So I was like, well, mother, um, a glory hole is a hole in a wall, such as in a stranger's house, uh, that a person may stick their penis through and receive anonymous sex. Um, why did you watch my comedy video? Because um, I was feeling touched, you know? I was like, oh, she watched my video. <laughs> That's nice. Um, and she went, no, I just wanted to build one in the remodel of our house. She's always dunking on me. That's, <laughs> that's my mom. To be fair, it sounds like a positive thing. The, oh, yeah, it's wonderful. It the name. I'm, yeah. very, I'm very grateful to be able to talk about glory holes with my mother. Let's just, let's just be clear about that. I'm grateful to have that relationship. Yeah, I, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't. So, Jess, we've invited you here for a very serious segment. Very serious. Go ahead and put up the visual. The queer Asian canon, you guys. Tonight, we are going to nominate things to add to the queer Asian canon. From where it is currently. Yes. <laughs> we're each going to nominate things, and then we're going to point, counterpoint the shit out of it and see if it makes it into the canon. And um, I just have to say, when we initially conceived of this segment, we were like, we're going to get a t-shirt canon, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Turns, Turns out, out. They're expensive. Really expensive, you guys. You guys. So expensive. Superstar producer Matt Collette um, bought a giant slingshot instead. Yes, if a thing makes it in, if we vote it in, we have t-shirts with the things on them. Oh my God, I want one. And we're gonna shoot it into the audience. 
So please be vocal about things you love, things that you don't think should make it in. Maybe you'll get a t-shirt with the thing on it. All right, let's get started, shall we? Okay. Uh, Jess, the first one is yours, and it is, if we can change the slide, Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho. <clears throat> okay, so I admit that when we were uh, putting together this segment, I think I misunderstood it a little bit. <laughs> Um, and I think that I came in with it being like, what is already in the Queer Asian canon? So here, here we have Margaret Cho. <laughs> I don't know, guys, she's queer, she's Asian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's I, uh, so few of us. I will say that as a teenager, before I ever started doing stand-up, um, one of the ways that I really was introduced to stand-up was by watching clips of Margaret Cho on YouTube. And seeing her in like the early 2000s talking about having sex with women on stage, like it was just like a normal thing for any, it was just like, here's an Asian woman, she talks about having sex with women on stage, that's what it is. I was like, that's normal, I'm gonna do that too. And now, <laughs> Here you are. Here I am. <laughs> so I, I do have Margaret to thank for that. So, so thanks, Margaret. I have no arguments against that. Do you? I would also say she was very vocal and continues to be vocal about like her queer community. And mm -hmm. so when I came out in high school, I had an Asian friend who loved Margaret Cho and it gave her like a shorthand for like, oh, I'll just be your Margaret Cho now, <gasps> which was like so lovely. And I will always thank Margaret for that. So I say we fire the t-shirt. Yeah, I say we fire the t-shirt. <laughs> Jess, you might, you're gonna, you're gonna. Jess, will Jess, you do gonna, the honors? You're gonna roll this up. Oh, oh my God. And then you're gonna do the firing. Here we go. Yes! yes! Woo! That was beautiful. 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 All right, all right. Second thing. Okay, this one B is mine. D Wong. If any of you know B.D. Wong and can get us in touch, that would be amazing. I just want to shout out B.D. Wong because when you start paying attention, B.D. Wong is in fucking everything. Everything. Like, good guy, bad guy. Everywhere. B.D. Wong is like an Asian Laura Dern. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I love Laura Dern. An out queer Asian actor who has been that forever, I stand for B.D. Wong. Anyone have any objections? I also love him after watching so many years of SVU. <laughs> so many years. Look at that face. Shall I fire B.D.? I think you should fire. Fire away. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Very good. Kathy's gonna do the next one. And okay, so I may have also misunderstood the assignment because <laughs> I may have more so chose somebody that I was in love with than who I should. Okay, so here is where we put up a picture of Constance Wu, the star of Crazy Rich Asians and Fresh Off the Boat. You know, I feel like Constance Wu is like our pretty cousin. Um, <laughs> You know, like, like she does anything and we're like, all right, you go, girl. <laughs> it's her again. Um, to be fair, she was in a movie called The Feels where she played a lesbian. And 
I'm also okay not elevating this to queer canon because I just want to keep the t-shirt. I know, right? But the thing is though, when you wear that, people are gonna think that you're Constance Wu. Am I okay with that? Am, am I okay with that? Tobin. Oh my God. I think I'm okay with that. No, here's the They're thing. They're gonna be gonna like, oh, like- you got a haircut. Side note, I did one time after one of the biggest comedy shows I ever did get asked uh, by a journalist how I got involved with Fresh Off the Boat. Yes, yes, yes. And I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out who she thought I was. (laughs) I was like, does she think I'm one of the little boys? (laughs) All right, moving on. I'm keeping the t-shirt. You're keeping the t-shirt. Okay. Constance Wu does not make it. We love you, Constance. All right, next one is a Tobin. Tobin. Okay. The wedding banquets. Okay. Does everyone remember when Brokeback Mountain came out and it was like, oh my God, Ang Lee made a gay movie. This is incredible. Yes. And I was like, that's not the original one. Yeah. This is like one of his early films. I think it may be even his first feature length film. And it's this beautiful movie about a Chinese queer man um, with a partner who has to go through kind of a bizarre storyline with a straight woman. It it gets a little convoluted, but it is a beautiful story about coming out to Asian parents. And it was like Ang Lee's early masterpiece. And I just feel like it doesn't get enough love. So I would love to see the wedding banquet make it in. I don't really know this movie at all. I know, I was, I was going to say, I haven't seen it either, and I wonder if that means that we will be removed from the queeration canon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go, Tobin, go. We get, get it? I missed it. We got it. All right. Oh, uh, the next one is you, Kathy. It's me. I mean, not me, you know. <laughs> Santa. I'm not gonna lie, I've watched very little Sailor Moon. <laughs> I was more into Rama one half, nobody knows what that is, it's fine. That's in the queer Asian canon. Right? Anyways, I think she's gay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> My sister was really into it, and I was like, you're into it, so I'm not gonna be into it. So I just didn't watch it. But I feel like everybody knows that there's lesbian couples? Canonically, technically, there is one lesbian couple. However, it is about five girls who love each other so much (laughs) (laughs) that they will, like, routinely, like, disintegrate their own bodies, like, to protect each other, which sounds extremely gay to me. Very gay. Very gay. I agree. Also, can I just say, um, there are... This past spring, um, my partner, who's also Asian-American, and I um, were planning to see uh, Black Panther. And then we, we, we did end up seeing it later, but this particular night we weren't able to see it because we realized we had tickets to a different movie, which was a showing of a uh, live-action Sailor Moon musical. Um, what? Wow. Yes, yes, which was kind of the closest we were going to get to our Black Panther anyway. Um, <laughs> 
And it was, and in this live action musical, this is actually wild, um, it's an all-female cast. So even though there are male characters canonically in Sailor Moon, all of the people in this live action thing were played by like really, really hot butch women who are made to look hot for the female gaze of the female fans of Sailor Moon. Oh my God, shoot the t-shirt, shoot the t-shirt. I'm gonna gonna do it. (laughs) Okay, this is our last one. This is the big one. This is Jess's, let's go to it. And of course, it could only be one person, mm-hmm. the queen of all Disney princesses. Yes. The woman who brings honor to us all. Who is that girl I see? It is Mulan. Mulan. My hero. Who among us did not weep bitter triumphant tears <laughs> at this scene where she slashes her hair off with her father's sword? That's, That's how I wanted her to do it, but people were like, um, no. <laughs> Go get it cut. <laughs> uh, I did um, write a piece for By Shondaland recently um, about the queerness of Disney's Mulan, um, in which I chronicle her, uh, I argue, non binary transgender journey uh, over the course of the movie. I, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, she's Mulan. She fails at being a woman. She fails at being a man. Only by doing her own thing is she able to reach success. Um, if it... That's true. That's true. The movie is very, I mean, it's like so about transgressing gender. Um, it's very unfortunate that there has to be that like transmisogynistic gag scene that happens at the end. Um, but it, there, it, she's also, like ultimately what happens is that she tells all her friends that they too have to transgress gender in order to get anything done. And I think that there's really a message there about you know, just transgressing gender constructs and transgressing, you know, what people expect of you and transgressing uh, who the hot general finds attractive. Um, (laughs) Oh, no, I I love Mulan. That's our girl. We love her. (laughs) Yeah, icon, an icon. One last time, shall we fire a shirt into the audience? That was Jess Tom, a comedian based in Brooklyn. They have some shows coming up too, and you can find out about them on Twitter at Jess Tom. That's J-E-S-T-O-M. Up next, we've got another live show for you. And for this one, we brought back one of our favorite guests. Nancy will be back in a minute. And we're back with another live show. This one was recorded last year as part of the Speak Up, Rise Up Festival in New York. And we invited one of our favorite guests from the podcast to join us on stage, J.P. Brammer. J.P. runs a column called Ola Poppy, where he offers tough love, queer musings, and most importantly, advice. And he gives such good advice. Mm -hmm. If you haven't heard his episode, go back to the one called You're Not a Bad Gay. One thing I love about JP is how goofy and funny he is. Mm -hmm. Like, you love him because he's honest, and he'll help you laugh a little about your problems. Yeah, he can take any situation and, you know, just lighten it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. As prep for this live show, we got more listeners to send in their questions for JP. Then we played them for him during the show. 
Hola. Hi, JP. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Lovely, lovely romper you have on. Thank you. I keep calling it a jumpsuit, but I don't think it is. Is it a romp him? Is that a thing, or is that just the one? Why do we need to gender our rompers, you know? It's just like... (laughs) Fair. Fair. So, JP, the thing that you are here to do, Mm -hmm. that some would argue that you do best of all, Mm -hmm. is give advice. They're right. God, the confidence of this man. (laughs) You have to be. I want it. If you want people to listen to you as an advice columnist, you can't for a second be like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe you should break up with him. I don't know. (laughs) You pick. I don't know. No. Break Uh. up with him. (laughs) Our first question is from listener Brittany. Hi, Nancy. I identified strongly as asexual from age 13 until my mid-20s. Then I found myself sexually attracted to a man, which called into question everything I thought I knew about myself. And now I find myself attracted to men and women, but I'm also married to a man. So what am I? Am I queer? Or am I just straight? (laughs) I identified so strongly as asexual that I don't know how to deal with these new labels. Thanks. JP. How would you advise Brittany on the changing of the labels and how to think about that and deal with it? I think it's very queer to be stressed about being queer. Oh, my God. All right. Show over. Next. No. No, but it's like, girl, if you're stressing this much over it every single day, that's very queer. I don't think like some straight person's going home every day and being like, oh no, I'm straight again. (laughs) Woke up today slightly more straight or less straight than I was before. How do I deal with this? No, I mean, yeah, you're queer, you're nervous. (laughs) You're anxious, you're going through it. I'm curious. The thing that like stuck out to me about Brittany's question that I think happens to a lot of people is like the fear of other people's judgment. Yes. If you identified one way and then maybe it changes for you and then you feel like somebody in your life is judging you. Mm-hmm. Which I would say get rid of that person immediately. Yeah, and I also yeah. think everyone's really obsessed with like sort of finding their letter as if like, okay, it will allot me these superpowers that I've chosen for the rest of my life. Can't switch them after that. I've pledged my allegiance to the letter G or L or whatever it is. <laughs> You don't have to do that, you know? It's like, if you figure out that, oh, I'm this, no, I'm pumped for other inspection, I'm that, like, that's allowed. No one's going to tell you to stop. Well, someone will, but <laughs> don't listen to them. <laughs> Some I people do. will, actually. I take that back, but that doesn't mean they're right. First one down. Woo! Right. All right, the second question is from somebody anonymous. My question is, how to tell a potential sexual partner that I've never had partnered sex? I never wanted to have sex with men when I was younger, but by the time I realized sex with women was an option, I was already almost 30. I'm not sexually illiterate. I have plenty of experience with masturbation, but I've never actually done it. How would I tell someone I'm dating that this is the case? I'm really afraid of being judged, but I also want to be honest. Um, I think you just tell them, and if they judge you for that, then they're not a great person. <laughs> I mean, Get I mean, out of here. There is something to say about, like, you know wanting your partner to come with a certain level of experience or whatever. But at the same time, we all start somewhere. It's true. And I think if you can't openly communicate with your partner about stuff like that, I mean, you're dealing with a communication problem, not a I'm not experienced enough problem. (laughs) 
That was good. That was really also, good. I think that people tend to, even if we're queer ourselves, sort of mystify queer sex, where it's like, it's this heightened other magical thing with a series of steps that we don't even know what it is. How does it work? And actually, mine anyway works pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's like, I, I came out, I started doing it, and I was like, oh. I <laughs> 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 was kind of hoping for something better, but there it is. You know what? Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Okay. I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> what was it like for you? Was it magical? You don't have to share. It's fine. I don't want to know. It's too much. Was it? Uh, yeah, sure. You don't remember it, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was with a first boyfriend in college. Mm. Uh, Ooh. Wait, yeah. was he the one that made you dress up in all the jean jacket pants combo? What? <laughs> <laughs> We used to wear matching jeans and matching jean jackets. Yours was magical. I take it back. <laughs> it was the photo of, remember the photo of Brittany and Justin when they're in like head-to-toe denim yes. together? Yes. That's like kind of what it was. Magical. Mine was a trucker. <laughs> really? Like off a literal truck stop between Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, wig. We, we should move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Next, next question. Greetings, fellow Nancyites from the other side of the world, New Zealand. My query is that by being actively religious, I am often judged as being a bad gay and supporting a pillar of queer discrimination and oppression. Should I keep my faith in the closet? How might I react in a more healthy and positive way when I feel attacked online by my queer family without being drawn into the hateful vortex of trolls? Uh, it's complicated because I think a lot of queer people move through life with a lot of baggage and trauma that have been inflicted on them from the church. And sometimes we need to let out steam. Mm-hmm. I, for one, went to Catholic school for like the first several years of my life. My early education began there. It was very scarring. And so I do have feelings. <laughs> towards the Catholic Church, but I would never tell a queer Catholic person that they're doing it wrong or that they need to give it up or that their faith is any of my business. So I think it's, it's twofold. Like, yeah, it's very wrong if someone's approaching this person and being like, no, you need not be religious anymore because that's not what a good gay does. And I think he should probably understand that some people do need to vent about religion and do need to sort of get that out of their system if they've had bad experiences. I'm also very against the term bad gay. Yes. Oh my God. I I hate the term like, bad what gay. What does that mean? So much. It just it just implies this criteria that none of us really like sat down and wrote out. It's always the people who are like, I don't watch Drag Race. Am I a bad gay? Yes. Because <laughs> you just said that. And that's why you're bad. <laughs> it has nothing to do with watching a TV show or dressing a certain way or not painting your nails or not going out or not being part of the scene. You just suck. <laughs> And it's completely independent of all those things because you use that friggin' term. I will say I do enjoy the image of like, like if Kathy piddled on the stage, I could be like, bad gay. <laughs> bad gay. Like, like, a, like a, a water sprinkler thing. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I the one? <laughs> it's you, you you're the bad one. You are closest. That is such a subjective thing. Like, to one person, a bad gay is someone who doesn't watch Drag Race. And to Mike Pence, it's all of them. So, like, why are we using it? <laughs> it's just not a good metric. It's not good. Just a last note for Russell is maybe also don't talk to the trolls online. Just mm. log off. Log off the internet, you guys. It could be a trash fire out there. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, next up is Jamie. Jamie? Or is it Hannah? Hannah. Hannah. Whoa, they just checked you. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. My name's Hannah, and I'm a 19-year-old gay woman from Tennessee. Um, I've been dating the best woman in the world for two years now, and I'm um, dying to show her off. We graduated high school and stayed together through the start of college. Um, but the only problem is that I live in Tennessee. So I've told my parents, and they're working on being okay with it, but the real issue is my work life. So I'm a waitress um, at a conservative Hispanic restaurant, and everyone is constantly asking about my love life. It's gotten so bad that I've constructed multiple fake romances to cover my queerness. The lies have gotten so intricate, and now they want to meet this mystery man to welcome him into the religious community. I'm screwed. Please help. What what would what would you do? I'm stressed. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it's just sort of like she said multiple people, multiple romances. So you kind of have to condense all that into this one person who is a gender they didn't expect. Yeah, yeah. I would go the route where it's like this was a social experiment. You've all failed. <laughs> That's amazing. You have to deal with the lie part first, then you can get to the this is my partner part second. I think. So there's nothing to do besides fess up. unpack that it's just always scary like the truth will set you free unless you're like neighbors are homophobes so it's like it's always a little complicated where it's like no come out show them your girlfriend it'll be great because that's like you know that's advice I would give to someone in a world where there's no repercussions to coming out question for the panel has anyone made up a partner before ooh I've made up several women yeah, have like you? yeah. When I was like in high school and middle school, I was just like, yeah, I have a girlfriend because people were bullying me. So I was like, mm. yeah, her name is Kate. <laughs> <laughs> She's a cheerleader. Oh my god! <laughs> but just stuff like that. Nothing like intricate. My grandfather on my dad's side, who I love dearly. Uh, towards the end of his life, he had advanced dementia. This is gonna take a dark turn for a second. Uh, so he like he lost most of his memory for like the last couple years of his life and you know we just sort of had to deal with that. But through the fog of whatever it was that he was experiencing, he still knew to ask me every time, do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> and I was like, what fucking twist of fate is this? <laughs> that the only thing he can remember to ask is if I'm straight or not. So who'd you, what'd you say? I, I mean, at that point, what can you say besides no, not yet? <laughs> Which is not a lie. <laughs> so with that, we want to thank JP for JP. being here. Yeah. Thank you. So good. We want to thank all of you. Thanks thank for you coming for out. Oh. Have a great rest of the night. That was J.P. Brammer live in New York City. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at J.P. Brammer. Okay, friends, that was our show of live shows. 
If you want to see us live, head over to nancypodcast.org slash events to see where we'll be next. By the way, special thanks this week to all the people who made the two live shows you just heard possible, especially Melissa Lent and superstar producer Emma Reitas, Matt Collette. Thanks to our events coordinator, Alicia Allen, and everyone at The Tank and The Bell House, and to Anya Jajik for helping mix this episode. All right, credits. Our producer. Alice Wilder. Production fellow. Temi Fagbenlay. Sound designer. Jeremy Bloom. Editor. Jenny Lawton. Executive producer. Paula Schumann. I'm Kathy Tu. I'm Tobin Lowe. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. Superstar producer Matthew Paul Collette is no longer an employee of the Nancy Podcast. The views expressed by Matthew Collette in no way represents the views of Tobin Lowe, Kathy Too, nor does the podcast make any claims, promises, or guarantees about the accuracy, completeness, or adequacy of superstar producer Matthew Collette's excellent work. We wish him the best.